I know you're a four six, so we have that six line journey in common. Okay. Do you want me so, to share more? Yeah. So our our listeners last episode would have heard about the different types and how I guess the inner authority. So I'm sacral, and uh, our guest talked about um, spleen. Um, but share more about the about the numbers. Yeah. So profile, everybody has two numbers in their profile and there's 12 different combinations. Profile is kind of like how we show up, how other people see us, um, how we learn about the world sometimes. And it is related broadly to what we might call purpose, although arguably every part of your design can be related to purpose. Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast. I'm Robin Pino, formerly known as Baldwin, an essential oil educator, blogger, author, yoga teacher, MS thriver, and newly twin mama. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a show that will inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. We'll guide you to create more work-life harmony for yourself, discover tips and tricks to achieve your goals and dreams, all while taking the best care of yourself. Now on with the show. This show is brought to you by doTERRA Essential Oils. As an essential oil educator, I partnered with doTERRA in 2016 to diversify my income with them. I was drawn to the oils a few years before when I was diagnosed with MS and gifted an introductory kit with lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil. At the time, as I was learning to live with MS, I knew I needed to get better quality and quantity of sleep. So I started using lavender in my Epsom salt baths every night to signal to my body that it was time to go to sleep and the rest is history. I educated myself on the potency, purity, testing, and sourcing practices and discovered the company's heart of gold. So I'd like to do the same for you. I send out samples to anyone who has not yet tried doTERRA oils and you don't yet have a shopping account with them. So find me on Instagram. My new Instagram handle is at Robin Pino, and that's P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Send me a DM saying I'd love to try some oils and then let me know one health pain point you're trying to solve. Send me your shipping address from there and then I'll pop a care package in the mail for you. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 201. All links and show notes can be found over at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we have Victoria Jane. So Victoria is a human design coach whose mission is to guide growth-oriented humans to live with less hustle and more flow. After a decade in Silicon Valley, achieving everything she thought she was supposed to, Victoria was earthquaked into the harsh reality. She was burnt out and in danger of doing irreparable damage to her health. As she searched for how to heal not just her body, but her spirit, she discovered her design. Today, she is passionate about sharing human design so you can confidently live your truth. I absolutely loved my chat with Victoria. She is so down to earth. I don't know what it is about all of the guests that I have lined up for this topic series, but I get on to Zoom with them and I just like light up. Like I just am so drawn to them. Um, So I hope you can sense that in this chat and I hope it serves you well. Welcome to the show, Victoria. Hi, I'm so glad to be here, Robin. I am so excited to get started with you. So my favorite way to start the show with all of my guests is um, asking them, what do they think of Um, you know, our community definition of what an alpha female is. Well, you had shared it with me earlier before we were recording, Robin, and I was just 
I had my eyes closed and I was listening and there were so many pieces of it where it just felt good to hear that. And so many of um, some of the things that maybe seem a little, not even controversial, but just kind of against what maybe societal programming is all about actually ties in really well with human design. Like I know you talked about um, like the feeling that I got was empowerment of like mm. the the permission to put yourself first, that when you do what is exciting to you, what takes care of you, what nourishes you, that's actually not only the best for you, but it, when I always say this in human design, it's also best for everyone else because <laughs> we all have our own unique gifts and it doesn't serve anyone to, to shrink, but we need to actually embody all of it. Mm. So I'm a fan. I'm a fan of your definition. <laughs> So how do you see yourself as an alpha female? Gosh. Well, so I will say like, I don't um, think of, I, the word alpha doesn't super resonate with me. I think uh, like when I think about the term, like even like girl boss, right. Which is a little controversial now and maybe has been co-opted. I, yeah. I, I think about like the origins of language and why we even have to qualify. Like why is an alpha female something different than just what we think of when we think of female, right? And that's all the stuff that, you know, you're in the cause to, to shift and so am I. Um, but I think to answer your question, when I think about myself in my confidence and in my power, I I think a big piece of it has been coming, I've been embodying it more the last few years, especially with my design. Um, and I think a lot of times it doesn't necessarily probably come across as what other people might call alpha, yeah. but it feels like yeah. a maybe quote alpha choice for me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm honoring that those pieces that might feel like nobody else will get it or yeah. the only person it makes sense to is me. Um, and that takes a certain amount of courage and strength. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I haven't had someone who like hasn't resonated with the term in a while. And mm. it's more so I've, I've had a few guests come on and they're like, I just don't like definitions. I'm like, yeah, mm. valid. I get it. Um, and I also, I've been embodying being alpha female, like that as a brand name since 2009. Like I'm an OG blogger and yeah. that's when a coworker named me an alpha female and I've been owning it. And it's so funny because only the emergence of like what a typical social media alpha female has come in the last few years. And I'm getting tagged in posts. Um, and I'm just like, no, that is not my alpha female. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like I have like a battle against like how it's being defined by other people. And so that's why, you know, we have this definition that has evolved and grown with the audience and the guests and the and the listeners, like someone will write in and they'll be like, I really resonate with, you know, she's the star of her own constellation, which means she's like, she's showing up in her empowerment, in her strength to go after the goals. And, is, and is that like, is that the astrological definition that like in um, a constellation, the, the brightest star is the alpha? That would be really fun. I feel like I looked that up and I think it has something to do with that. Yeah, and, that's yeah. why, and that's why we put it in. Um, because that part has really resonated with people. Like, you know, she's the brightest star in her constellation. So like, she's shining really bright in her community, in her workplace, in, um, the gym she attends when she's shopping at the grocery store. Like that's what we were trying to, I I think, get at is that she's, you know, really stepping into her strength and her power. Um, and when you say, you know, she's, you know, living by her human design, like that makes so much sense. So she's giving herself permission 
to uh, be who she was meant to be before the world told her who she yeah. was supposed to be. And yeah. I don't think we're like, I'm not trying to put people in certain boxes. I'm trying to give them this, this beautiful definition that allows them to be so much more than what the typical like man eating. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. And I'm like, it's so, it's so helpful to hear also, like you've been allowing this term to grow and evolve with you for over a decade. Right. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine, like, if I had heard, if you'd asked me in 2009, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm totally an alpha female, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's so fascinating to see that all shift, which is exciting too. Yeah. And I'm in love with words. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with words. Like I hear a word, I look up the definition and like, is that, is, is that okay. exactly what I wanted to use? This is um, part of your incarnation craft. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I was, cause sometimes I'll reread bits, like I'll look at someone's chart and I'll just go back to the, te- my texts and like, cause there's key words going back to this. And you're somebody who can be really logical and, and also like specifically express that logic through your voice, through your words. And so specifically your incarnation craft, and there's different um, variations of it too, but yours is really focused on like, finding the words to describe things in a logical way to Um, help people like understand the world around them. So I just, it's so cool when people (laughs) naturally say things, I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And I I do it all the time. Like someone will say something to me. uh, Let me use this example. I think someone said like, when I was single, they're like, you deserve to find love. I'm like, do I, is that really, is that Mm. deserve? Do I deserve? And I I, like looked up the meaning of deserve. I'm like, I don't just, I, deserve is not the right word. Like I got mm-hmm. so hung up on the word. Um, and I was like, no, it's this word instead. And they're like, yeah, okay. But like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, so <laughs> adamant. I get very, very, very specific about words. Yeah. Um, well, and, and just to add like a little bit more, like the reason why is because when you when you focus on the words, when you name things, you help uncover the hidden truth of things for yourself and for other people. So yeah, keep, keep time, doing it. I love I was, it. I was trying to explain that it's not by like my actions or what I've done in this world that I deserve love. It's just, I, I, I just like love should be there no matter what, who I am in yes. this world. Yeah. So like, that's what I was getting really because deserve to me means like I've done something to deserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything to get love. Um, so yeah. So that again, makes perfect sense. I need to explain this to people when I get so hung up on words. I'll be like, I'm sorry, it's my incarnation cross. Like you're going to have to deal with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So share with everyone what your energy type is in the human design world. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a projector. I'm a splenic authority. Some of the, some of the listeners might know what that means. And I'm a six, two profile. So I know you're a four, six. So we have that six line journey in common. Do you want me to share more? Yeah. So our, our listeners last episode would have heard about the different types and how, I guess, the inner authority. So I'm sacral and uh, our guest talked about um, spleen, um, but share more about the, about the numbers. Yeah. So profile, everybody has two numbers in their profile and there's 12 different combinations. Profile is kind of like how we show up, how other people see us, um, how we learn about the world sometimes. And it is related broadly to what we might call purpose, although arguably every part of your design can be related to purpose. But um, profile specifically, these 12 different profiles fall into three different categories. And so 
there's one big bucket where they're called personal profiles. And you're really here to discover something about yourself, go through your own personal process first. And when you do that, that's when, that's when you feel like, yeah, like I've, I've learned this thing or I'm, you know, discovering something. I'm the authority on something. I've created this community and you feel good about that. That's the starting point for your purpose. Then there's another group called transpersonal profiles. And these are people who really have to see their impact on others in order to feel like they're living their purpose. Like they can't do it without other people. And then there's a tiny sliver, um, about 1% of people fall into what's called a fixed profile. And so they're kind of, they're neither of what I just said. They're actually people who, who move along their own track and kind of bring people with them and the right people will stick on the, the wrong people will fall off, but they're just like, they're fixed. They're unmovable. They're, they're doing their own thing. So that's a little bit of the high level piece. And now each number has its own qualities. So when I say like you and I both have that six line thing in common, it's like whenever someone has the same profile line, you, you kind of get each other in a certain way. Right. So for you, we can start with your profile, your four, six. So the four line is all about you being someone who's great at creating relationships. Like I know so many podcasters that have fourth lines in their profile. You are naturally friendly. You want to, you want a foundation of like a community, right? And this doesn't have to do with extroversion. Like people always think that. And it's like, no, I know plenty of fourth lines that are that really need their alone time. But it's that you have the natural gift of being able to connect to see how to connect others with opportunities. You get your best opportunities through people you know. So cultivating a community and network that feels really good to you and aligned is huge. And then there's the sixth line part. And this is you being seen as a role model. And usually the second... It depends on the person, but the second number, we might be less aware of it. So you might not realize that your community sees you as a role model. You're just kind of like doing your thing, you know, chatting with people, being friendly, but other people are watching you and you're actually meant to be somebody who shares like, here's all the mistakes that I've made and here's what I'm learning and here's what I'm observing Mm. because the sixth line has these three different life stages and you're in the middle of the second one first 30 years of a six lines life is all about trial and error, making mistakes, <laughs> doing things the wrong way, running into walls. You're, you're laughing and I am too, because I've, I've had that experience too. <clears throat> and then I would be curious to hear from you, like, because there's a transition point around 30 and 30 to 50 is called on the roof. And the reason why that is, is these six profile lines are traditionally taught or explained in the analogy of a house where the first line is the first ground floor. The fourth line is actually the ground floor of the second house. And we get to the roof where there's the sixth line. And if you imagine somebody on a roof, you're like watching everything that's happening and you're a little bit detached. And you're also digesting, alchemizing all the lessons from that rocky, potentially traumatic first 30 years. So that after 50, we come off the roof, we enter our third phase of life, and we actually embody all the wisdom that we gained from those first two periods. So I have to wait till 50. So it's like a, yeah, I know that's everyone's <laughs> know. first reaction. Like yeah. what? Um, it, it's like a yes. And situation yeah. where like, yeah, of course now people already see you as a role model. Right. Oh. And the best is yet to come. Yeah. Um, because, well, thank God, I mean, because I feel like in the mud right now. Oh, do you want to, do you want to yeah. share more? So that's very interesting. Some of the things that you were saying in terms of like building a community, it's why I have a podcast. Um, because like, I'm not talking with the listeners, but I'm trying to provide them with so much value 
to make their lives better. And like selfishly, a lot of these interviews are for my benefit, but unselfishly, it's to benefit the larger community. Same thing with, let's say, like social media. Um, so I was in the weeds in my 20s. I left a very traumatic um, re- relationship. I called it a toxic relationship. And um, I wrote a book about it, found my life um, after after leaving a toxic relationship, called off a wedding a month before. So like I was in the weeds there, wrote a book about it to help people find the life that they love after heartbreak. I was diagnosed with MS in 2014. And over the years, as I learned to take care of myself differently, I share that information with the world. So I remember one of my podcast guests had this like mantra and it stuck so like hard with me. It's, uh, I, I learned to teach. Um, like I love to learn and I love to teach. Um, and that's been, it's, you know, part of my, um, Gallup strength finder test. We talked about it a little bit on the last one is my top two strengths are input and learner. So I absolutely Mm. love taking in information and then distilling it down, um, in the simplest way to other people. So part of my incarnation cross. So, you know, as I learn about MS, but like the T cells that are involved in MS and where they attack, like that's a really complicated topic. But when I teach about toxic load and reducing one's toxic load so that our bodies can be in perfect harmony so the T cells don't attack, like that's how I've simplified it. So I love to take that information and then share it out. But in terms of like being in the weeds, um, like, so I, I let go of the relationship basically when I turned 30. And from there, right on track, <laughs> and I turn I turn forty next year, um, and so like I felt like for the last ten years, I just like ha- I haven't arrived. Like I keep discovering new things, or I keep going through new lessons, or I keep, like I just feel like it's in the muck. And I gave birth to twins last year. Um, and Big change, yes. So like now I'm slowly feeling. Like I'm, I'm realizing who I am and I'm giving myself way more permission to be who I am since giving birth. And I know that's an evolution that so many mothers come into. Um, but yeah, I do feel like I'm watching, well, one, I'm watching the craziness in the world right now. I'm not speaking out a lot about it because I'm still like observing, um, and I'm spending time doing the things that I know that I can control, um, because I know I'm I know I'm meant to do something more. I don't know what that is. And I'm just kind of like sitting and waiting. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that last piece you said is like, so I feel like classic six line where it's like, there's a part of you that knows you're meant to be a role model and to be seen and to share your wisdom. And and this was really hard for me when I was in my twenties, because it's like, I'm also not 50 yet. Right. And I'm not in that like role model prime. Um, And so something that I say a lot to people is there's nothing you have to do about your profile. It actually always, it comes back to strategy and authority, right? So if your gut is lit up by creating community or forming these connections, like, Hey, I'm going to interview these people that I'm excited about. And that'll, that'll support my community. Then that naturally supports whatever's meant to come your way mm. through the people, you know, to be that role. But it's not like you can plan it. You yeah. know, <laughs> which like part of my personality is like always wants to know what's next. And I'm a to-do lister and a planner. So I've just to not, not know the plan and just have to be 
ever present. It's just like, it's very, it's very new to me. It's very frustrating, which is, um, my, what is it? Frustration. Not self. My not self yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting to like notice all these things. Right. Right. Well, and it's on the frustration piece, it's not, um, and you know this, but I just want to say it again for anyone that's like, Oh no, frustration. It's like, it's totally fine to feel the frustration. In fact, it can actually be this, this, um, signal that you're wherever you're at right now is just, that's not where you're meant to be. You're just, you're meant to get somewhere further. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could almost let that build and your chart specifically, like you have a defined route and you have, um, a, a channel that, can sometimes have this restless quality because on one hand you can be quite, you can tap into that like adrenal power and be like, yeah, like let's, let's get up, let's go. I'm going <clears> to, <throat> um, I want to start something and I want to get all the lessons from it and, and move towards something that feels like it's, it's growth. Right. But growth has cycles, mm-hmm. right? We can't be like growing all, it's not summer or fall all the time. We're not like always harvesting. Right. Yeah. And so when it's, when it's winter and when it's not time to go yet, sometimes that can be, the pressure feels uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I have a similar, I have a similar design where I remember going back to the third line phase in our in our twenties. I didn't quite know what I was going to do next in work, and I had like applied to Teach for America, applied to the Peace Corps, like applied to grad school, like done all of these things just to feel like I was doing something. And <laughs> I can tell you, it's not. Um, you know, it's not actually going to be that helpful. (laughs) Yeah. So when did you discover human design? I discovered human design in 2017 when I was working in tech and I was going through a bunch of chronic health issues, um, super out of alignment was doing, and you, you know, it sounds like with your own health journey, like all the crazy lifestyle changes, like nobody else understood it. All my free time was obsessed with like, you know, like meal prepping and stuff. Um, and like none of it, I wasn't really getting better. And mm. then human design came in and was this missing piece of like, oh, there's nothing because I'm a projector. There's nothing wrong with you that you can't keep up with all these people around you that seem to be really enjoying what they're doing. <laughs> Were you living like a generator? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, my my mom is um, a generator with a defined ego, so like a lot of a lot of will, a lot of stamina. Um, and also just, I think, you know, the people around me in, in school and in work. So it, it was easy to ride that, you know, mm. that's part of being a projector. I could plug in and be like the most productive, but it was really hard for me to be healthy because I couldn't really fully let go of that. Mm. I'm, um, I'm doing a family reading with our last, with my last guest, because I have two baby projectors. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I, I need to it. make sure I don't try to make them generators. <laughs> oh, I mean, the fact that you're even aware, I think is like so much, right? Yeah. Um, somebody, so another generator parent asked me this as well. And recently, and I don't know what she'll say, but I feel like a big thing I see in adult projectors is this shadow around being lazy because like they do need more rest. So mm. I'll just drop that in yeah. <laughs> for you to consider. Yeah. What's so fascinating to watch my daughter. So my daughter, um, self suits mm. and, um, she's very go, go, go. Um, and then all of a sudden she just stops and just like sits there and sucks her thumb and plays with her ear and she just, or, or like she'll, she'll come in for a cuddle and her cuddle lasts like five minutes and then she needs to go again. Mm. Um, but like, she knows when she needs just like a moment to like calm down. It's very cool to see that knowing that she's a projector. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
my it. my son is just a big cuddle bug. So like he just he just is not as go 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 as she is. <laughs> um, okay. Do so they have what, the same? Sorry. Do they have the same design? Or were I'm, they born far enough apart that it's a little? They different? were only born twelve minutes apart. Okay, it's probably so it's, very similar. I uh, I pulled their charts with the different times in uh, what's the website Jovian Archive, mm-hmm. um, and I got the exact same, um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because they're not like. So I wanted to speak to that because I've worked with twins that they were born like two minutes apart, I think, but they 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 are they're different because. I think there's obviously something that we can't explain. That's just my personal belief as well. Yeah. Um, but then, I mean, by the time I had met them, they had gone to different schools, had different friends, you know. Um, yeah, so so I think that's a misconception a lot of people have. They're like, oh, if we have the exact same chart, we're like the same person. But it, yeah. there's more to it than that. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so I wanted to get into um, giving people information on how to get into human design. So um, other than booking like a human design reading with yourself, maybe can you give like a couple of resources for people to like start looking into it? Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on the kind of learner you are. And I'm like, I know my, for example, going back to the topic of profile, first line profiles love to love information. So, you know, I get some people that are like, I bought all the books. Um, I've been on following all the Instagram hashtags. Um, watch all the YouTube videos. Those are all just like generally places to go. I mean, at this point, I don't really, there's so much out there that mm. I'm not consuming in that way anymore, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but there's tons. So what I like about, and I'm pausing because it's a, there are different camps in terms of belief systems around how traditional versus kind of like studying traditional human design versus how it's evolved on the internet. What I like about what I like about social media and human design is that you get to see other people living their lives and sharing like, Hey, I'm a three, five manifester. And like, this is what came up for me. Right. So mm-hmm. that's, that might not appeal to everyone. It might feel like drinking from a fire hose, but if that does, like, I think it's a great place. Um, there are, there are some books. Um, the, the one book that I recommend is written by Ra. Um, the founder of human design. And it's a little dense for a lot of people, but it's the only one I recommend because that's mostly the one that I read. There's a couple others that I haven't personally read, but I know a lot of people enjoy. So Chaitan Parker is one person. And then, um, or sorry, what's his last name? It's it's Chaitan. And then there's Karen Curry Parker, who kind of, she studied with Ra as well, but she's, she's kind of evolved some pieces of the system for herself. So Okay. Those are some books if you're a book person. Um, and then I'll say, lastly, I, I'm going to be coming out with some videos on type type strategy, authority, and then profile, which will have a lesson and a PDF notes too, because I found in readings with people, there's so much information and sometimes it takes some time to digest. So mm-hmm. at the end, I can share maybe a code for your listeners if they want to, if they want to go there too. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll put it in the show notes as well. Great. Um, yeah, there is so much and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, we haven't actually talked about this on any of the episodes yet, but as I like started looking to it, isn't there like a controversy around like the, uh, around the teachers, like don't learn from this person, learn from this person. So, uh, I don't kind of, I mean, I don't know exactly what you read, but, um, there is, I don't know if it's a controversy. There's just some different camps where, yeah. You know, I mean, the system is relatively new. So, so Ra Aruhu, 
um, channeled this system in the late 80s. And then he taught this first wave of, of human design practitioners. And so there's a very traditional way of studying human design where you can go through like a seven-year program and you're certified. And it's very like, from what I know of it, and I haven't gone through it myself, but it, it's very uh, purist, I would say. Like, this is the information. Um, like, don't bring other tools and modalities in here, right? Yeah. And I have so much respect for the teachings. And like, I've, I've self-studied a lot. So I do go back and study the original books and lectures and things like that from Ra. Mm. That said, that all happened in like 80s, 90s, early 2000s, right? Before really the internet or Instagram or YouTube took off. And there's what I'll just generally call like new wave human design where there's people like myself and others where we're like, oh, cool. Like, I'm learning this stuff and I want to share what's happening in my experiment. And also a lot of connecting with other modalities, whether it's uh, energy healing or coaching or nutrition or you know, business coaching. Um, because, and in some ways, like, and I get the critique, which is like, you know, human design isn't meant to like solve this specific problem. It's actually can go so much deeper than that. And at the same time, it's like, for a lot of people, we need an entry point, right? So how how fun and interesting is it to think about, um, you know, eating for your type a certain way or growing your business in alignment with your human design? Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just, there's different philosophies yeah. to it. I love it. I think it's very much like yoga. Like there's... Yes, there, that is the analogy I use all the time, actually. Yeah, like there's so many different camps. Like, no, you must only learn from these people. No, you must learn and learn from these people. You can't like... But what if I go to a class and learn something from this? Like there are teachers everywhere and um, there are principles. And then there's, uh, I'm writing this actually for like my corporate job. There's principles and process. And like there's core principles in everything that you're studying. Uh, and then there's process and how you go about implementing or learning about it. And I think that's different for everyone. And you have to find something that resonates. It's like uh, finding a psychiatrist that you resonate mm-hmm. with. Um, or like finding a yoga teacher that you resonate with. It's um, or finding several um, and taking what you what what serves you best um, from each teacher. Exactly, because at the end of the day, like you have to be able to be delivered the information in a way that you can receive it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, what can someone expect from a human design reading with you? Oh, um, I, they can expect to feel seen. They can expect (laughs) to have a space to reflect on what feels true versus maybe not. It it also kind of depends on where the person's coming from. Like I don't have quite as many readings with people that are totally new to human design anymore, where sometimes that's just like sharing information more, but what the kinds of conversations that I love are when people know a little bit about their design and then are also thinking about something that's really active for them going on in their life. And we can, we together can have a conversation and it's very projector for me to like see the person and hold space and guide. Um, But we can have a really interesting conversation around, you know, like what is a limiting belief you might want to let go of? Because conditioning comes up all the time and people are like, how do I decondition? Right. And that's a whole separate conversation. Um, 
but then how to bring that and actually apply it. Because it's it's one thing to hear the information about your design. And for example, like, okay, you're a generator, just like say yes to what lights you up. You're like, great. But and say no to what doesn't. But when you're actually like out in the wild of your life, sometimes <laughs> we need support, right? So yeah. that that's the kind of uh reading that I like to have. It's gonna be very interesting. So my first guest, uh it's it's a it's a duo that do business coaching with uh, human design and one's a projector, one's a generator. Mm-hmm. Um, my last guest is human design readings, projector, you projector. I have one more guest and it's going to be absolutely hilarious if they're a projector as well. I, I actually, Rod talked about this too. He was like, when I, when he first channeled the system, he was like, Oh, I got to tell all the generators because they're the ones that build, create. Um, but it didn't stick. And then he was like, wait a minute, I need I actually need the projectors because they're the <laughs> ones that whose minds are like so blown by the system, right? Yeah. And actually like in many ways like need it so much more and then can see the system. And so, uh, yeah, that's not a... I don't think it's a coincidence. <laughs> There's so many projectors in human design. Um, and then, okay, so you like to have somebody come with you like with a specific pain point in mind that they want to problem solve for. And then, then the... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't even have to be specific. It could just be like... It could even be, I mean, sometimes people are like, I don't know, just things feel off. Like, let's talk about it, you know? <laughs> um, but I think the key, I think what sets someone up for a really rich conversation is some level of like reflection or self-awareness or like, you know, I've been on, they can see like, oh, something I want to, something's not working. I want to change something. Whereas sometimes what, I mean, wherever someone is, is, is great, but <clears throat> sometimes I think people come to human design hoping to sit and hear something that will give them this like silver bullet solution. And it's not really about that so much as I, I see human design amongst its many purposes as a tool to, to help in self-reflection for you to think about yourself and how you interact in a different way. So mm. that's sort of like a certain way of thinking about the world, right? Now um, you call yourself a human design coach. So how does you know a human design reading versus human design coaching differ? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of what we've we've been talking about now where it's like, and of course there's an overlap, right? But to me, reading is like, hey, here's this information. This is what I see. Whereas with coaching, like I I do want to go a little bit further and like kind of, I mean this in a good way, like kick the tires a little bit, like see what's going on. And then like, what are you going to do with it? You know, like I was in my former um, corporate career, I was also a consultant at, at one point. And it's like, great to give all these recommendations, but then you leave and it's so dissatisfying because who knows what people do with that, right? So I definitely am not the kind of coach that ever tells you what to do. Like that feels really just even against human design. Um, But but I see coaching more as like, how are we going to apply this information? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So this question just popped into my head. So we've gone over types, we've gone over strategies, not self-themes, inner authorities, profile. Um, um, so when someone looks at their chart, you know, they've got design and personality, numbers and symbols. What are the numbers and symbols? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the the view of the chart that you can pull up for free is, is just one view of things. There's another visual... I'll try to describe this as we as we podcast it out. Mm-hmm. If, you know, most people have probably seen like the astrological, their astrological chart where it's like a circle, right? And you have the planets moving um, in that circle. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I'm explaining this, um, that information, there's a similar sort of chart 
for how you get your design where 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 the planets are right they're giving off this is getting into the science of human design so we we get imprinted with our design by the semiatomic particles streaming through our our, our system. So the planets are giving off neutrinos. So where they are matters, right? And where they can be in different gates. So the numbers are the gates um, and the same numbers you see in the little human shape, the body graph, mm-hmm. are the same numbers that are in the rows down the side. So for example, we were talking about you... Um, you know, sharing, sharing logical information, um, verbalizing things that 62, that gate 62, it's in your throat center. Mm. Um, and it's also the same 62 that is on the upper right-hand corner in your sun sign. You see that 62. Yeah. And then that point four is, it's like a building block of that gate. So you can have that gate and then there's six variations of that. Um, and this is actually also where your profile is too. So your profile is the line that your sun, your personality and your design, personality being black side, design being red. Sometimes it's also called mind versus body or yeah. conscious, unconscious. I know there's a lot of terms, so feel free to yeah. pause. No, I think it's amazing because like there's a lot of gobbledygook in there, but then yeah. I think like for me, it's like, okay. Um, it's just like... I love diving in. I love getting all this information, but it's like you with this topic specifically with human design. And I think this is valuable to the listeners. It's like, you got to do baby steps. Like Mm -hmm. I think you can get a human design reading. You can look at your chart and you can find out like, okay, you know what? I'm a generator. What does that mean for me? And then like, as you start to understand that, then you're like, okay, what is my strategy? And what does that mean? So like, exactly. In terms of baby steps, like you've got to do one thing at a time because I I even think in a reading, if you were to describe every single one of these things to me, what the numbers are, what the points, like, I'm not going to retain that information, but like, you got to do baby steps with this. Yeah. Which is why like, I've come up with these videos because I'm like, it's actually serves, I think people a lot better to digest that slowly. And then, and then when you're like, okay, so I'm like kind of getting this wait to respond thing, but like, you know, this situation came up with my business or this situation came up with my friends. Like how would, how would I respond? And then we can talk about that. Right. Yeah. And like, is it about my throat chakra or is it about, uh, (laughs) my sacral? So it's like, then you get to go into the different sections a little bit more. Yeah, totally. So just to answer the last part of your question, the symbols are the planets. Planets. Okay. So at the very top, you have the sun and the earth, um, which are the biggest planetary influences. And this is where incarnation cross comes from. So it's the gates that are in your sun and earth on both sides. Cool. Okay, cool. And then red and black. So our designs come from the date that we're born, which is everything in the black side. And then also 88 days before we're born, which is the red side. So those two pieces come together um, to make our whole design. Interesting. Okay. And then the horseshoe up and down. The horseshoe up and down. It's underneath the earth and moon. Oh, no, the north and south nodes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then, and then we oh, have... So you, I can, okay, so um, yeah. we have sun, earth, uh, north node and south node. And okay. the gates here... So like when I talk to someone about their chart, we can talk about their gates generally. Like we were just talking about, you know, your gate 62 and your throat. Um, and then 
you can also look at where that, what planet that gate is in to add a little bit more of a flavor. Again, this is going super deep. So for the person that like just listened to the prior episode, like feel free to come back to this in the future, but uh, similar to astrology, but it's a little bit different in human design. We come in with the gifts of our South node. You're just naturally good at that. And then around 40, so actually you're, you're kind of approaching this time frame. We start to in, we, we start moving towards the gifts of our North nodes. Um, so, so there's that, and there's the moon. So how we're, how we're driven, how other people see us, uh, Mercury. So communication, thinking, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, uh, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto. And so those all have their own meanings, but I don't think it would yeah, be yeah. helpful to, no, I to think yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it was good. I just like have always had that question and never yeah. looked into it. So um, yeah. very cool. Um, but yes, totally like very in depth, but I just hope this like drives someone to want to look into it a little bit more. And for the person who's hearing in, in this and like feeling overwhelmed, I also mm. want to say like no stress, strategy and authority. Like that's it. That's mm. all. Like you don't even have to know your design to live your design, but you can also just know those two pieces and everything else you will naturally, you'll naturally embody if you follow mm. your strategy and authority. Interesting. So how do you use your strategy and authority to go after specifically um, like goals? Like when you set a goal for yourself or maybe you don't set goals Well, I mean, this is like, um, <laughs> I think it's, I, I was going to say this feels specific for me as a projector, but I think it to some extent applies to, can apply to every type that a lot of what human design has done has taken the grasping and planning and control out of going after goals. And like I, my first, first phase of my life, I was definitely very that. And it's been, it's been, it's been a relief is maybe not the right word. It's just felt a lot more I felt a lot more ease since because knowing like, okay, what's really aligned for me, I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel seen. I'm going to feel recognized. It's going to feel good. Like I don't have to dog paddle or, you know, go above and beyond to get someone's attention. And so it's almost like if I had tried to explain this to the 25-year-old version of myself, I don't even think she would have understood. (laughs) I think she would have been like, "Mm, I don't believe you, you know? (laughs) So, but it develops, I think, with time or maybe, and I think maybe this is also like a a 6-2, like just the way that it's looked for me. Like I had to go through doing it though in a way that didn't work for it to be painful enough to be like, I'm ready for a new way. Mm. Um, But but where I am now, I mean, I just, I'm pausing because I... (laughs) I can hear this younger me being like a little skeptical, but it's like, I don't really plan that much, to be honest. This also has to do with my arrows. I, um, I have a receptive view, so I don't really know. Actually, I'm not meant to know what's, what's coming next for me. I just kind of yeah. like do the things that my spleen is curious about. And mm. then, you know, I get the, the privilege and the, um, I'm just so grateful that, people are like, oh yeah, I want to hear what you have to say about human design. And it kind of leads to, you know, the next thing. So is goals like way more generator? Well, okay. So there's, I have to do my like human design vocabulary PSA versus general language PSA, right? Because people will hear things like 
okay, so like initiating is like a big uh, trigger for a lot of people because especially like in the business world, it's like, you want to think of yourself as like a self-starter and like get after it, right? So when someone, especially let's say, I hear this mostly from generators and MGs, when they hear, oh, you have to wait to respond, then they'll say, wait, but if I do something I like, isn't that initiating? Because there's a part of us that like wants to be the initiator, I think like culturally, (laughs) but it's not the same thing. Initiating in human design is specifically for manifestors when they go after this this urge that they have because their design has energy that's going straight to their throat. Whereas for a generator, as long as you're excited about doing something, you can be a quote, like self-starter and like do all these things. And it's still in alignment with your design because you're taking action only after you feel a yes from your gut. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's not like, for example, for me, um, like I can initiate an action in my full-time job, but I've already been invited into the work. I've already been invited in by uh, a projector or um, I've already been invited in and now I'm just, I just get to respond. And sometimes it's like, I ask myself the question, like, do you want to write a marketing strategy today? Or do you yes. want to... Yeah. So like yes. I then get to respond, but it's like, someone's not asking me the questions necessarily. Exactly. It's like... You, you, as a generator, for example, you don't need to be invited. It's just not your, it's just not your stick. Like as with your generator aura, what matters most is, do you actually like what is your response, right? So I love that you ask yourself like, which one do I do, yeah. and then yeah. go from there. So to answer your question about the goals, um, I think it's a like any type can have goals, sure, right? Yeah. But depending on your specific design, how you go about realizing them. And I say like, even achieving feels like a little bit going back to like words, right? It's like how you realize them is different because if we think, and this is more of like manifestation philosophy and just my personal beliefs, not pure human design, but I think about our energy interacting with the world around us. And let's say for the generator, it's about stoking your sacral fire so that you're so lit up that then things magnetize towards you and you just get to go, yes, no, yes, no. Right. (laughs) So So that kind of realizing your goals is just about following your response, right? Whereas for a projector, maybe my goal is um, to to grow my business, right? Well, I'm not like doing the tactical things, right? To try to like, I don't know, like post five times a week or what. I'm I'm definitely not doing that. Um, (laughs) But what I do is as a projector, because we're here to guide and share our gifts, I... I read what I'm interested in or I have a thought, right? And I just put it out there and then maybe someone sees it and there's that invitation and that can lead to something else. I feel if I remember back to my first conversation with the Luscious Hustle ladies, the projector on the call was like, I don't have goals. I have intentions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of a trip. I mean, I'm still... I'm still seeing how it unfolds, but it feels really yeah. good to like... It's like... Um, it's almost kind of like if I were, had been gripping the steering wheel of life like so hard and now I can finally let go. And it's like, oh, and it feels nice to like shake it out, you know? Mm, I love that. Um, so you alluded to the fact that you were living out of alignment from your design and you're dealing with health issues. So how do you specifically use your human design to create healthy habits or take care of yourself in a different way? And maybe healthy oh. habits is not the right words. <laughs> oh, okay. So this will be very specific to my design, but yeah. I love this topic. So 
Okay. Um, because like as a projector, I used to have, um, in the past, I had some disordered eating stuff, like in high school, early college and learning my design, like totally helped some pieces click in. Um, but then also I'm jumping around a little bit, but some of the health issues that I had more recently were related to like endocrine, adrenal stuff, um, blood sugar, gut stuff. And a lot of that was driven by when I look at my design now, I also have a defined root. So for people with a defined root, you have, you're consistently creating adrenal energy. And I was, this is the intersection of human design, conditioning, and health. Um, I was using my mind to pressure myself into creating all this adrenal energy to run like a generator when I'm actually <laughs> a non-sacral. So all of that adrenaline physically fueled a lot of these health issues. And so how that feeds into my healthy habits. Now, I I don't know if you've heard of the bean protocol. Um, It's basically just eat, you eat fiber or or beans all the time. And what it does is insoluble fiber. And that helps um, clear adrenaline. Uh, So, because I think not to get too technical, but um, like spent hormones can only be carried out of the body through insoluble fiber. Like you can't like pee it out. Right. So, and most of us don't get enough insoluble fiber. And so as somebody who's a high adrenaline producer, Mm. um, you know, that's a whole thing, but I had not been eating beans. Oh my God, for years. Cause I was doing the the low carb keto thing. Cause I thought my blood sugar was off, but that actually wasn't really the issue. So knowing that about my design and then finding some of these other like pure sort of nutritional modalities has been huge. Um, it affects my sleep habits, knowing that I'm a non-sacral because I can amplify sacral energy. So like just not feeling the pressure to like be in the same bed with a partner that that might actually affect my sleep quality was like a big thing in my healing journey. I'm jumping around, but that's yeah, that's a little bit there. That's okay. No, that's helpful. Um listening to you is fascinating. So after I was diagnosed with MS in 2014, I was diagnosed in December and for years. I haven't done it in a while. Um, well, two years since, um, since I got pregnant with the twins, but I used to like, I'm really well known for how I set goals, um, based on my core desired feelings and then how I map them all out, like mm-hmm. my, my long-term goals for the year. And then I ha- how they map that out to a monthly and weekly and daily perspective. Um, and after I was diagnosed with MS, I had already signed up for, I think it was 15 obstacle course races for the year. So I was really heavy into obstacle course. So sacral, I just got to (laughs) say. And um, I ended up actually running 20 races. So in uh, the back of my mind, I wanted to prove that I was stronger than MS. I ended up giving myself adrenal fatigue for the year Mm. because... I wasn't resting properly. I was learning how to eat differently. I was taking new supplements. I was trying to figure out stress management. I was sleeping better, but like my body was not meant to run 20 obstacle course races the year after an autoimmune diagnosis. Um, But I can generate all this energy. Like I can keep, I can just keep going. I can keep doing, I do it even now. Like I get up before the house and I do all of these things. So I have alone time to meditate and, um, and journal and uh, make sure the bottles are made before the babies get up and put in a load of laundry. And then I like work full time. And then like the minute the, the day ends and the nanny leaves, I'm running upstairs to play with the kids while my husband makes dinner. And the, at the end of the day, I literally am so spent by 
the time we put the babies to bed because I've just generated all of this energy. And then I'm just like, I have nothing more. Like I have nothing more. So like, I have so much to learn right now in terms of how to do this differently because for the past two months, I crash at 7 p.m. I put the babies to bed Mm. and I can't function. Um, And so I have so much to learn in terms of my human design and self-care because I think I have been, I've been just using my generator energy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to me, it sounds like almost you might be fully depleting your sacral and then potentially even running on like some of that adrenal energy, right? When I hear a generator say like, and then I just crash and I watch TV all weekend or I crash and I can't, whatever. That's like, it sounds like it's gone. You're like really, really empty. Right. Yeah. And that's not necessarily a place you want to be all, all the time. There was something else I wanted to say. Oh, have you looked into your, um, eating for your, your type as a, as a nervous touch person? No, I haven't because I've been so entrenched in the autoimmune paleo protocol. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. For- for so long. Um, but now I'm dealing with brand new liver issues. So I'm having to, um, look into that further and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's hormone based or, um, insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity. So like I'm now going down new wormholes, but yes, yeah, I've been eating such a specific way that has served me well in the MS world, but now I've got other issues that have developed postpartum that I'm now like, okay, I need to start learning again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'll just drop in for you to, to think about is, and again, I don't have a background in like nutritional protocols. So this is just like purely human design. Um, there are six different digestive types. Okay. Some types of people, they're really affected by what the, the actual food they eat. Other people, it's of course, you still want to eat healthy, especially with some of the other things you just shared, but it's more about the conditions in which you eat. <clears throat> and so for you, it's actually helpful to have a little bit of um, like a little bit of action going on in your eating environment. So what this can look like is, you know, eating, I mean, if you were in a restaurant, it's like there's activity happening. If you're cooking at home, maybe you're like eating as you cook. Mm. Um, it's actually totally okay for you to like eat a little bit and then like go take care of something and then like come back. Like these are all examples of, <laughs> of nervous touch where there's, there's just like some energy happening and that energy actually helps kind of stimulate your body's ability to receive food and nutrients. Yeah. Um, this is a little kid that like eats a bite of his, his sandwich and then like runs to play and then comes back, you know? <laughs> um, so I don't know if that, any of that resonates for you as a kid. Yeah. And this is not something to, um, like none of human design is meant to be super strict and it's more like, how does your gut feel about it? But yeah. something you might try and observe. Yeah, no, it's, um, I definitely want to look into more of it, like eating based on human design because I, um, I've had, this is probably in like the first season of the show. So I've been recording this since 2016. And in the first season of the show, we were very prescriptive with all of our questions. Um, and I always ask people like, how do they nourish themselves? How do they reduce mm-hmm. stress? Like all really great information. Everyone had different answers. So it was providing such a great arsenal of information for the listeners. Um, but I had a few guests over and over again, say like, um, I make sure that I, you know, sit down at a table to eat. I have a nap. I like, I put a placemat down. I, I was like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and I like, and I was like, well, but I always felt bad for not spending time like that because there was, and it's very valid, um, that like, sometimes we don't take the time to actually like enjoy our food, um, and chew it and allow our digestive system to do what it does because I'm constantly 
eating at my desk or I'm standing in the kitchen eating while I'm feeding the baby's dinner, um, breakfast, I'm like chugging a smoothie after my workout while I'm in the shower. Like, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, and it's been very different in the last year and a half, albeit like when I was in an office, um, I was always like eating breakfast at my desk when I got to work in the morning, checking my emails. And then I was eating my lunch while maybe checking my personal email. So I wasn't as like on the go. It's definitely way more on the go now. But um, yeah, to go back to the guests, the guests that like took the time to like actually put their meal on a placemat, I was like, wow, impressive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because I sometimes I have nervous um, touch people and they... One of them pointed out, she was like, yeah, I do need some, some, like a buzz, but I also need to make sure I chew my food. So to be clear, like... (laughs) We're still advocating to chew your food um, and to engage in the experience. But it's okay if you don't want to just sit down and be so still and have a placemat because that actually might be like kind of boring for you, you know? Yeah, I'm definitely, there's definitely parts of me where I'm just like, it's very hard for me to sit still, even like in my meditation practice, I've did like I've had to really work at it, and it's something I enjoy now, but i'm I'm always like wanting to do. And that's also, um, a lot of conditioning that I'm, I actually need to like work on is like not being comfortable with silence or not being comfortable sitting with my, with myself and sitting with my thoughts. So there's like good and bad parts to like my, my nervous energy. <laughs> um, okay. We're getting near the end. I have, um, two last questions for you. So you kind of already talked about your 20 something. Um, but if you had to give your 20 something emerging alpha female self, like one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. I, I would really want to share something around how to connect with your intuition and trust it more. Like as somebody who is pretty sensitive, pretty empathetic. Um, I got really good at doing what I think others expected of me mm-hmm. and thinking that was always right. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to, oh, what I intuitively feel, what I splenically feel can be just as valid, even if it's different from what everyone else thinks or says. Mm. Yeah. We were talking on the last show because I have, do I have a defined Explain. Yeah. So I have a defined intuition. Yes. Um, but I don't know how to trust my intuition and I've had to like, I'm, I've had to relearn and I'm relearning. So I, I mentioned, you know, I left a toxic relationship, um, and called off a wedding. That was me. Like I ignored red flags, like red flags for four years in that relationship. And then I learned, I was like, no, this isn't right in my gut. And that was like the first time. So I was, I was already past 30. That was the first time where I was like actually listening to my intuition. And then from, from then till now, um, there's so many ways that like, I, I do it in small ways. So for example, just in the past year, I was offered a job in May and I was like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. Um, but I need to go back to work after having my babies. And I, I was laid off while on maternity leave in January. So I was just like, I did, but this job doesn't feel right. And I was like, nope, trust your gut. I said no to it. And now I'm in the job that is absolutely amazing. And I just, mm. I needed to wait two weeks for that job offer. Uh, I was like, oh, there's my gut. Like, okay. So it's like, even now I'm learning to trust it again. Do you find the question here? is that a lot of people with a defined spleen 
have been taught not to trust their intuition for like the longest time. A hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and even if you don't have a defined spleen, I think most of us just have been taught that we need to be able to explain our decisions because people ask like, why? Right. But there are other forms of intelligence besides the mind, right? Mm. Our body can know, our nervous systems can know. And to demand that your gut explain why it's excited about something or not is a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> and it's not, it's not really what it's designed to do. It's like, yeah. why, why did you want to work on that like marketing thing over the other presentation right now. It's like, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like your, your gut just felt like <laughs> it. Right. And can't we just apply that same principle to things, to bigger decisions too? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, it's been beautiful chatting with you. My very favorite last question for all of my guests is what is your definition of happiness? Yeah. So happiness to me, it's not this like you just get there, right? It's like kind of like up and down and we go through the different seasons of life. So to me, it's about being able to live in alignment with your truth yeah. and to have the, the freedom, the courage to keep pursuing that. Um, so where can people find you the most? Are you on Instagram website? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram inconsistently at victoriajane.hd, just, you know, <laughs> living my projector life. Um, but there are links there. There's, um, for anyone who wants some tips on how to work in alignment with your design, there's a link there, but I, I think we'll include it in the show notes. Um, I highly recommend signing up for my email list because that's where uh, you know I'll, I'll be sharing things there and it won't get lost. And then um, you can also go to my website at or victoriajane.co. And I mentioned earlier, there will be some videos on these foundations where you can really start with those bite-sized pieces. So um That'll be probably out a little bit after this episode airs, but it'll be out soon. So would love to connect with you all in all of those places. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. Have you downloaded the Work-Life Harmony worksheet yet? In this free guide, I walk you through how to optimize five key areas of your life so that you can start designing your own work-life harmony. So from nutrition to supplements, sleep, stress management, and reducing your toxic load. I share tips and tricks that get you thinking on how you can optimize your life currently. So I ask you simple questions that just get you to rethink different aspects of your life. I walk you through a prioritization exercise so you can figure out which area of your life you actually want to maybe overhaul or tackle or just make small changes in first. So you can download that over at bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet, all one word, bit.ly ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet. Thank you for listening to the alpha female podcast. Be sure and visit robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y B A L D W I N for access to show notes and other amazing blogs. If you loved this episode of the alpha female podcast, be sure to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate and review. So more amazing alpha females are able to find this content. It's so very much appreciated that you take this small effort to help this show succeed. 